Would you pray with me before we dive into this? Father God, I just, I ask you right now that you be with us as we, we dive into this um, passage, this chapter, and a bit, um, that you would open our hearts and that you'd open our minds to hear what you have to say to us. And, and Father, as one of the songs we just listened to and sang says, Spirit, lead me. God, guide my words and, and let my words be from you, Father, as we enter into this this morning. So, Father, I just pray that you'd bless the service and that you'd use it to touch people. In your name, amen. All right. So, reorganize. So, Ephesians. Ephesians 2, talking about reconciliation. Last week, we talked about the fullness of God and how it renews us. So, we talked about how the the, the Father chose us, the Son redeemed us, and the Spirit guarantees us. Um, This week, we're going to be focusing more on specifically the reconciling work of Christ. Have you ever noticed that throughout history, um, there's pivotal moments. There's moments in in history that adjust the course. Um, Without those moments, things would be significantly different. Um, They'd turn out much differently than they have. Uh, Some things the way they are now wouldn't be possible without those things happening. Some examples would be Pearl Harbor during World War II, the U.S. wouldn't have been quite as involved in the war if that event had not taken place. Not saying it was a good thing or anything, but it's kind of adjusted the course of of how they were involved in the war. If Alexander Graham Bell, if he didn't invent the first telephone, we probably wouldn't be in touch with each other quite as much as we are today, or it could look very different. The telephone could have been something that took up a city block. Um, and you know what? Sometimes maybe maybe that would actually be a little bit better. Gossip doesn't spread as quick that way, right? Um, if I didn't go to college, I wouldn't have my family the way that it is today. Um, maybe not even a family at all, right? So, Things that are chosen, things that happen, they lead a specific direction. And without those pivotal moments, those things actually taking place, it's not possible for things to end up as they are. And the truth is that Jesus' work on the cross is actually one of those pivotal moments as well, which I probably don't need to tell you, but it is. Without that, none of what we have today as disciples of Christ would be possible. So let's look at that a little bit deeper. Some of the things that Jesus did for us with his work on the cross. He's released us from death and sin. And Paul says that right there. He started off by talking about where we were before Christ. He tells us that we were dead. What a great start. It's not, no, no, you were just, you're just, you know, off doing your own thing. We were dead. Um, but it, it really can't get much worse than that, realistically. But on top of that, 
in order to prove me wrong saying that it, it can't get much worse than that. We were also disobedient. We were in death and disobedient. So we're disobedient dead people. Fantastic. I mean, just injury to insult. Ultimately, we were doomed, right? That's, that's the, the ultimate breakdown to there. But there's hope. There's always hope. Our state of death. Let's start with our state of death. The world will tell us that humans are generally good people, right? That people are generally good. If we just believe in ourselves, we can do anything. And I would consider that to be a half-truth because we might accomplish some really amazing things because we're image bearers, we're created in God's image, but without him in our lives and keeping us alive, um, we can't actually accomplish anything spiritual. If we try to do anything for the spiritual realm without God, it's in vain. We're not actually able to do anything without him in our lives. And this passage couldn't be any clearer about this. Humans actually face a pretty sad predicament. Um, Later on, Paul actually says that we're alienated from the life of God, and that's death in its purest form. Alienation from God is ultimate death. If we don't have God when we leave, we, we are dead. That's what sin is. Sin separates us from God. Sin is death. So, death in its purest form, but then we were disobedient. So we were off doing our own thing. We were controlled by things which are contrary to God's values. We followed the world. We followed Satan. And we followed our own sinful desires. Doesn't really sound like we were following God anywhere in there. There's there's no leeway on that. It's no, you really weren't following at all. So then what does God do in return? Strikes us all down and destroys creation. No, no. He actually shows his true character. God shows his true character through this. And N.T. Wright describes it best. Um, He describes it as the sheer, almost unbelievable, magnificent kindness of God. The sheer, almost unbelievable, magnificent kindness of God. So Paul tells us that he is rich in mercy. He loved us with a great love. His grace is what saved us. And he shows us immeasurable kindness. Ultimately, um, we've been made alive together with Christ. And that's straight out of verse 5. We've been made alive together with Christ. I mean, that's incredible. So, again, we, we've talked about how God's in the resurrection business. I talked about that last week, right? God gives life to death. But how? Obviously, we must have done something pretty amazing um, to earn that revival, right? Right? 
again, no, not what you would expect at all. Because of the character of God, this gift has been given to us. It's been given to us. God's life-giving grace is a gift. It's not something that we earned. We didn't go and serve our penance and do things to earn it. It's not through our works that we, we get the grace of God. It was a gift given to us. There's not a single thing that we could possibly do to earn it. And I talked about that last week, too. There's themes that really run through this, uh, this letter. Not a single thing that we can do to earn it. Our power can't save us. Only the sacrifice of Jesus can do that. Only his sacrifice. So last week I, I used the adoption um, metaphor and talked about Jesus being our caseworker. Without that caseworker going to bat for us, there is no, no hope of us being adopted into the family of God. So therefore, we can't take the credit. So notice that Paul tells us something really important after saying that works can't save us. Salvation through and relationship with Jesus results in good works. And I, I think I said that last week too. I'll say that again. Salvation through and relationship with Jesus results in good works. So if we are truly giving our lives to God through Christ, our lives are going to be changed. It's going to be so different. We can't hide that light. It's going to make a difference, and it's going to be so countercultural because we live in a society of greed and immorality for the most part that it's going to be noticeable. It's going to make a difference, and we're going to want to make a change in the world. We're going to see the world as it is and realize this isn't right. This isn't how God created it. So once that relationship truly exists, it becomes natural, and it's the new standard. Uh, the, the fruit of, it's the fruit of the work in our lives. The whole process of revivication hinges on the work of Christ. Our reconciliation to God is only a reality through Jesus. But it's not just that we were reconciled to God. We were also reconciled to one another. So again, going back to last week, through our adoption to the Father, we also are adopted into a larger family. If you look around you right now, this is part of your larger family, and it's even bigger than this. That's the thing. It's not just the people directly around you. It's everyone. That is the larger family we are adopted into. So Jesus' death also provide, uh, provides us with a horizontal reconciliation. Consider this for a moment. We live in a world of rivalries, right? PC versus Mac, Apple versus Samsung, 
Pepsi versus Coke, Montreal versus Tampa, which is not going the direction we would like it to. Just saying. Um, Paul describes a deep, complex, hostile rivalry between Jews and Gentiles. It was a religious rivalry because the Gentiles didn't know the God of Israel. It was a cultural rivalry because the Jews had their rituals and festivals um, that distinguished them from other cultures around them. And it was a racial uh, rivalry. The, the Jews literally had the blood of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob running through their veins. But the Gentiles did not. There's a certain separation, or there, there certainly is a separation between Jews and Gentiles um, at this time. And, and Paul sums it up in three points in verse 12. He says that Gentiles were separated from Christ. They were, they were separated from the messianic hope of Israel. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, which means that they were, they were foreigners. They weren't a part of the nation under God. Israel was God's nation, so they weren't a part of that. And they had no hope and were without God. So they didn't know the promises of God because they didn't grow up learning that. Therefore, there were no hope, or there was no hope of the promises either. And there also was no knowledge of the God of these promises. So you could almost say that it was actually a completely hopeless situation. They were in a completely hopeless situation because they didn't have any of what the Israelites had going for them. But just in case you missed it a few minutes ago, Jesus reconciles. A big part of his work was coming to provide reconciliation. So Paul tells us exactly how this happens. He brings us peace which is described throughout the Old Testament. There's Psalms, Proverbs. There's a lot talking about God's peace. And then it's affirmed in the Gospels. So there's, there's backup to that. He made us one. It says, broken down in flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Interesting fact. And this is, I, I love learning these like historical, factual little things. In the temple, there were literal, um, there was a wall, literally a wall uh, with inscribed plaques in Greek and Latin warning the Gentiles not to proceed lest they die. So within the temple, there was actually a wall. So when Paul's talking about breaking down the wall, the dividing wall, it's thought that it's actually a reference to that wall in the temple saying, hey, don't go across here or you're probably going to die. But what we're talking about, uh, but we're talking about reconciliation between people, ultimately. There was the barrier of ceremonial law, so the old law, the Old Testament law, that's been broken by the work of Christ. And Jesus set aside the need for ceremony 
through his work. We don't have to offer sacrifices for every little thing that we have done wrong now because Jesus has already covered that off. He also preached peace. Not only did he bring it, but he preached it. He also announced peace. And this continues on through the body of believers. The message of peace carries with it the promise of reconciliation. It's a proclamation of the reconciling power of God. He's also given us access to God. So remember last week how um, Paul described the whole work of God. We talked about that at the beginning. Um, It's interesting to note here that Paul is recognizing again the whole work of God. There's an emphasis on the fact that every bit of God goes into this. It's not just Jesus coming to do it. It's the whole person of God being involved. In verse 18, for through him, the Son, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. He wraps it all together. We've been given full access to God through the work of Christ. And notice that Paul says both. You've both been given. It's an action. Uh, th- this, this action is a, a reconciliation action by saying that you've both been given. We aren't segregated like back in, in the 60s and whatnot where um, different pe- people groups had different entrances to buildings, different places that they sat. No, 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 no. We've been reconciled to one another. We aren't supposed to be all in our little clumps. We're reconciled to one another. That means we're all a family We all live together, and we all partake of the inheritance together. So Jew and Gentile alike have the same access to the Father through the same Spirit. All people, all people are citizens of God's kingdom and members of his family. I met a gentleman this week who came to us very broken. He, he showed up here and It was, it was different than a lot of the people that come through that I have met over the past couple of years. He wasn't, he wasn't looking for anything physical. He wasn't looking for food, for shelter, even though, even though he was lacking a lot of things. Um, he had a very difficult story to hear. He wasn't looking for anything physical. He said he just, he wanted to talk. 
And what he told me was that he, he doesn't know where he belongs. He doesn't know where he fits. He doesn't know what his place is. We had a, a really, really good conversation. Um, he's, in the last year, read through the Bible. Um, he hasn't really made a commitment to God, but he's searching. And he's tried to kill himself several times recently. And never succeeded. And it's not that they were feeble attempts. They were things that actually prevented it from happening. Um, he was so desperate. He had no clue where he fit in. He's currently homeless. He's been asked to leave churches. People... People pass by him and don't give him another thought. He feels very alone in this world. And this is, this, is, this is what we're here for as Christians, as people who are adopted into this family, we're to extend that love. And I let him know, you do have a place. I, can't, I couldn't tell him where it was. And I told him that. I don't know where your place is, but from your story, it definitely sounds like you have a place. God has a plan for you. And I, I really encourage him. He has no one. He has no family, no friends, um, which is what's leading to a lot of this searching. So anyway, before dragging that on too far... Um, he has a place, and that it tells us that here, right? All people are citizens of God's kingdom and members of his family. And there are a lot of hurting and broken people out there that need to know that. And it's our job to be letting them know that and loving them and caring for them. I don't have time to read the story I was going to read. There's a story about a woman in Africa who started a business. She was making dresses. And I've, I've heard this story several times. It may have even been told here uh, during a sermon sometime. But she started this business making dresses. She got to a point she was able to hire some other women to help her make these dresses. And business got better and better. She was selling them to, to the villages and the cities around. Business kept getting better. And one of the girls that worked for her one day came to her and said, you know, we should expand on what we make and so that we can, we can start tapping into other markets and selling other things like curtains and whatnot. And everybody got excited and was in agreement about that. She smiled and went to her desk and opened a drawer, pulled out a sealed envelope with the date that she started her, her business on. 
and passed it to the girl and asked her to open it up. And essentially, it breaks down to that was her plan all along, was when they were ready to, to do it, they were going to expand on that business and open it up to more things. The reason that I tell that story is because when we move to um, chapter 3, Paul speaks of a secret plan in verse 6, a mystery. So like the woman in that story, God had a plan all along for those, or all, blah, 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 all along that those who were closest to him didn't know about. Israel wasn't aware of the work that was happening. The closest that they ever got was to what some of the prophets were telling them. But God didn't let them know that eventually it was going to open up for more than just the nation of Israel. God had that in his pocket all along. It was always his intention to bring all people into relationship with himself, not just the select family and nation that he started with. It was his plan all along to make himself available to all people. And again, Jesus' work on the cross is what fulfilled this step of the plan. Without that work, we wouldn't be at a point where that was possible. Only through his death was everyone granted access. Much like in our story, Israel hadn't expected things to expand beyond their beginnings. So the people that worked with the woman thought they were just going to be doing dresses forever. They didn't expect that there was a plan to expand beyond their beginnings. So the information over these two chapters is all well and good, but what does it actually mean for us? It's everything. It means everything for us. Because without the work of Christ, we wouldn't have any kind of stake in the inheritance. We're the Gentiles. We wouldn't have any stake in the inheritance without what Jesus did. Only he can release us from death and sin, and only he can give us a place in the kingdom. Only he makes it possible for us to be a member of God's family. We need the work of Christ and what he did for us on the cross. There's three main takeaways from this. First, his grace is sufficient to cover all of our sins. All of our sins. It doesn't matter how far off track we are. It covers all of our sins. And that's important because a lot of times we can have that feeling that, you know what, I'm just a really bad person. God can't love me. I can't go to church. I've done a lot of really terrible things in my life. But that's not true. It covers all of our sins. It doesn't matter how far track off how far off track we are. God's always going to be waiting for us with open arms to come back like the father and the prodigal son. The kingdom has been open to all people who want to be there. Every person who wants to be there. 
and is willing to believe in what he's done and, and lets it change them, it's available. God can work through anyone for the good of the kingdom, no matter how lost or broken they are. To suggest otherwise would be putting God in a box and limiting him. And just because somebody else doesn't fit in our box, it doesn't mean that they don't fit in God's box. Because God's box is a lot bigger and more encompassing than the box that we've created. And I want to stress that this means anyone. Anyone. God has reconciled all people to himself and to one another. All people. We are all called to love God and love people. It doesn't matter what a person's sin is. God's grace covers all sins. Sin is sin. And we can often look at what we know about people um, what, uh, and, and it, it'll distort our view of them if we know somebody personally. If they've done things that are not great, we'll let that affect our view of them and we'll put them into this box off to the side. But that's not how it is. Something they've done in the past might do that. The way they're living now, it's similar to how the Jews would have viewed the Gentiles. They aren't worthy because they don't actually know God. But the point is, we don't come to church and come to know Christ after we've got it all figured out. We need to remember who Jesus spent time with. The Pharisees who had it all figured out, right? Nope. He spent it with the broken people, the hurting people, the people who weren't living their lives according to how the Pharisees thought they should be, the people who needed him the most. He didn't sit in a building with four walls and talk to the people who actually believed in him. He was out ministering to the people who struggled with the idea of faith because of how they were living their lives. Our call is to show the love of God to everyone because of that reconciling work. We don't need to condone the sins. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But we do need to acknowledge that they're human and that they need God. They can't be fixed without God. And they do that by our invitation and our examples. It's what reconciliation to one another looks like. It's love. God always had a plan, is point three. Sorry, that was a long point two. Point three, God always had a plan. He doesn't always reveal it to us. He doesn't always tell us how we're going to get there. And it's always going to be done according to his will. Regarding the gentleman that I met this week, 
I don't typically work in the office on Wednesdays. I shouldn't have been here. I, I was here on Wednesday when he showed up because of the holiday, change in childcare schedule, several factors that led to me being here. I was a little put off at first because I'm a very routine person, and if you mess with my schedule, it really throws me off, and I just can't get it around, get my head around my days. But if I wouldn't have been here, I wouldn't had, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to be broken, the way that I was by that conversation, to learn what God had in store for me. I need to learn to accept that. God always has a plan, and he's going to make it happen. It might not look how we want it to, but the truth is, it's not about us and what we want. When things don't go our way, we just need to learn to stop and listen closely. And I'm very guilty of that. Like I said, when things veer off the path for me, it really throws me off. But I need to stop and listen and say, God, what are you doing with this? Why Why the change? What? What do you have for me? So I encourage you, be attentive to what God is doing around you. Sorry, excuse me. Be attentive to what's going on around you and what God has to say to you. In everything that's happening, not just when you want to take some God time, and listen in everything that's happening. Listen to what he has to say to you. Be attentive to what's going on. Let's not look for how we're being limited in situations that are different than what we want, but let's find the opportunities that God is actually creating for us because there's always opportunity in everything that's going on just because, well, actually COVID's a perfect example, just because we couldn't come to church doesn't mean that God didn't have opportunities for us. God is still at work. He's always at work no matter what's going on. And to say anything else is limiting him. And who are we to limit God? So I just encourage you, pay attention. When things don't go how you want them to, listen to what God is is asking of you. Would you pray with me? Father, please, please help us. Help us to be more attentive to you. Help us to see the things that are hidden from us, Father, the plans that you have, and help us realize that, you know what, we're here to love people, not judge people. Father, our our job is to quite literally just love people and help them be adopted into your family, Father. God, I'd ask that you would open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts to what you have to say to us as we move forward, Father, that you would help us to understand what's going on and understand what your plan is and understand that reconciliation is part of that plan, Father, that it doesn't matter what a person's done or what they're going through. God, we're, we're just supposed to be there to love them. 
they could be the dirtiest sinner in the world. And Father, we're called to love them because you love them. That's that's what you do. So Father, I just I pray that you would help us reflect you so much more and so much stronger, Father. That you would help us to live out the life that will restore the kingdom the way it was intended to be, God. I just pray a blessing over everyone who's watching online or who's here in the building today, Father. And I ask that you would that you would just grant us more mercy as we move throughout our week, Father. More grace as we learn to be more attentive to you, Father. And God, for, for anybody who might be listening to this who hasn't made a commitment to you or doesn't know where they belong, God, I just pray that you would touch them, Father, and that you would that you would give them an experience that tells them you're loved. You do belong somewhere and guide them to that place, Father. I ask for these things in your name. Amen. And with that, we're done for today. So, go with grace with God's grace for other people, show that grace and let it move you this week. Hopefully some of this has, has resonated with somebody today, but go with the grace of God and, and show that grace to other people. I love you guys. <laughs>